The Gauchos are headed to the Stanford Regional. And this is probably the one of the best podcasts that I've ever put together. We have series highlights from Bakersfield. We have interviews with Mason Eng, uh, the pitching staff, plus a few others, and the analytics team. Then we have Coach Bronsma talking about his time as a player and as a coach in regionals. And then we have associate head coach for the Gauchos currently, Donegal Fergus. That's all next on the Gaucho 9 Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our great friends, Kyle's Kitchen, primary sponsors of the Gaucho 9 Podcast. Check out any of their three locations in town, downtown Santa Barbara on Chapala Street, Goleta in Hollister Village, or in Goleta as well on Kaya Real. You can also check out Kyle's Protein Grill or Kyle's Chicken House. Big shout out to Kyle and all their support all season long. It's been fantastic, and uh, we can't wait to work with them more in the future. Uh, Kyle's Kitchen, proud supporters of the Gaucho 9 Podcast. We are also brought to you by Smart Office Interiors. Check out smartofficeinteriors.com or call 805-965-8585 if you need help getting commercial furniture, education furniture, healthcare, government, home office. They can hook you up with outstanding furniture, tables, desks, uh, anything you want to outfit your office or workspace. Uh, hit up Smart Office Interiors for that. Again, that's smartofficeinteriors.com, 805-965-8585. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts us to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. And Curley pulls back the home run, and the Gauchos are going to win the game. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Borgonio is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A two-run homer for Clausen. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. Willits will make the catch. And the Gauchos are 2022 Big West champions. So 36 degrees Celsius, 97 degrees Fahrenheit here at first pitch in Bakersfield. And it is breezy, blowing out towards the right field corner. Next pitch is bounced through the middle. That's into center field, a base hit. Willits rounding third. He will score a double and a single to start things off for the Gauchos here in the first inning, and it's one to nothing. And just like that, Center fielder. UCSB three, with the lead. And he's throwing with the wind going that way, so maybe it sailed on him a little bit. This one is pulled, and a diving stop by Johnson. Does he tag Casillas? No. What a great play by Kyle Johnson diving to his right and snaring that liner off the bat of Morrissey. Right fielder. Number 10. It's a web gem for the body. Costa from the stretch. And this is grounder towards short, and it's off of the diving Casillas into left field. Sprinkle scores, Willett scores, and the Gauchos reclaim the lead. It's 7-5. Two-run single for Nick Vogt. Salas, the runner at first. And here's a breaking ball, pulled to left field, down the line. It could be trouble, and Kirtley makes a sliding catch on the warning track. And back to first goes Salas. Great play by Christian Kirtley going into a slide, making a backhand catch 
on the warning track out towards the left field corner. Verdugo doesn't have to give in. And this one is hit to the right of second. It's into center field, a base hit. Sprinkle scores as Clausen rounds first with his fourth hit of the game. He's got his third RBI, and the Gauchos have that run back. It is 9-6 to six to A.J. Miller. Here's the pitch and a fastball. This is launched to center. Vote going back. He's at the track. He's got a beat, and he makes the catch right in front of the wall. And Ryan Harvey saves the game here for the Gauchos as they defeat Cal State Bankersfield 9-6. to six. That is the 20th save for UCSB as a team, which sets a new single-season program record. Here's the next pitch. It chops slowly in front of home plate. Johnson coming in. He's going to score, and it's going to be an infield single for Sprinkle as Seeger had no play up the third baseline. Basically a perfect swinging bunt, and UCSB ties things at one. That changeup being effective early on here against the runners. There it is again, and Morrissey swings and misses. And Mikey has a 1-2-3 third inning. He's got a couple of strikeouts, four on the night. And we will go to the fourth, still not knotted at one. See if anyone comes out of that Bakersfield dugout. One ball, no strikes. Altamirano, the big leg kick in the pitch. This is pulled into left field, a base hit. Newman will score. Oakley being waved around. Here comes the throw. It's cut off. It's a two-run single for Willow, and the Gauchos lead it 4-1. to one. Team's still alive. They're playing for uh, Long Island, Bryant, and Central Connecticut. This one hammered to center field. Back goes Morrissey. He's going to look up and turn and watch it fly. A pinch hit solo homer for Brock Mortensen, and it's 9-1 to one UC Santa Barbara. Here's the 2-2 to Allenson, and that's swung on and missed. Allenson strikes out, and the ball game is over. Gauchos with the 9-2 win. They have defeated Bakersfield and won the series, and they have, well, they finished the season having not lost a series all season long. Brock with the 14 long balls. Hit one last night. Waits for the 2-1. Here it comes, and this is lined out to left center. On the move is Bell. He is not going to get it. It's up against the base of the wall. Willett scores. Boat scores. They're waving Kurtley around. Here comes the relay from Casillas. Kurtley slides in safely. Bases clearing double for Brock Mortensen, and the Gauchos lead it 4-1. to one. Nine hits for the Gauchos, five runs. Zio one, and a breaking ball is pulled to deep left. Bell is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A solo home run for Christian Kirtley. Makes it 6-3. to three. Top two seeds. Here's a line drive. Left field line. And that's fair. Down the left field line. Extra bases for Willits. McCollum scores. And Bryce has his second double of the day. His third hit. And a leadoff single. Did not score in the second. Leadoff single in the third came around to score as well. And now this one is hammered to right field. High and deep, and this one is way out of here for Mortensen as he homers for the second time in the series. And the Gauchos lead is back up to five. One-two is a line drive center field coming in and not making the catch is Morrissey. He plays it on a hop. Sprinkle scores, and Latre McCollum with an RBI single. 
and he's got a three-hit game. And the Gauchos lead it 11-5. A couple of ground outs. First pitch is line drive center field. Right at Jesse Brown. He makes the catch, and that does it. UCSB comes to Bakersfield and sweeps the Roadrunners. 14-6 the final. And that puts a cap on the regular season in 2022. The Gauchos finish the year 43-12. Sorry, 43-12. and 27-3 in the Big West Conference. Okay. Yeah, we're safe here. Okay. We're, right? I'd hope so. This is take two. Take two. Take two. Phone didn't work the first time. Is it on now? It's on. We're sure? It's on. Okay. Um, this is uh, Pueblo Radiology pregame show. Last weekend of the regular season, Thursday, and this is game one between the Gauchos and the Roadrunners. And we just went through about three minutes of great content here with Mason Eng, who's our guest. But this is take two. Uh, <laughs> At least we who, caught it before we, we went the whole way. Matt Ager came by and said that uh, you have pop, so we may need him to come back and say that again. But uh, it's been a while since you've been on. We got you, I think, what, last year? UCLA. Last year, UCLA. Yep. And... Um, when you hit a home run, that's when the people come calling. And, uh, and so here you are. Here we are. Okay, glad, so Glad to be here. Yeah. So Sunday against Riverside, senior day, you get the start. Were you trying to hit a home run in every pitch? I was 100% trying to hit a home run every pitch. Uh, that whole day, I was just going out there, you know, senior day, last start potentially, and just going out there and having, some, having a lot of fun and just trying to, trying to do my very best to hit a home run. So I, I throw usually to group one or group two during batting practice, and usually you're in that group, and you looked really good in batting practice, and you hit some over the fence, and I was, uh, I was, I noticed, I noticed. So Ferg said you were calibrated after you hit a couple out. What was your approach during BP uh, to get ready? That day, my approach was swing as hard as I could. Usually I'm not like that. Usually I'm a, I'm a line drive, you know feel the barrel, get a, get a couple hard line drives in there. That day, I just, all I wanted to do was hit a home run. And who was uh, all there to see it? Oh, my whole family. I had a bunch of friends out there, too. Is Couldn't have scripted it any, per, any more perfect. It's a whole family, so I, usually that's a big group, a big N clan. Unfortunately, it was only the direct family, so uh, my mom, dad, and my sister. But yeah, we could, we could run up a pretty big crowd, the N gang. And gang, as they're known, they came to. I mean, they were at St. Mary's and they were at Davis, right? St. Mary's, Davis, USF. You've had to, you've had to miss out on a few uh, Catan C battles, Catan, yeah, because of family uh, responsibilities, uh, yeah, right? It's been unfortunate. I've, I've missed out, and I've, I've felt missed out on those days. But I'm but really you, glad that they're, they come out. In, in Catan, though, I think the, the, the first time you got, got to sit down, you won. This year, maybe I think first I'm, or I think second I'm one time. For one. One for one? Not, not to... Batting a thousand? Batting a thousand. Not to, you know... <laughs> not to throw my name out there like that, but... Well, so, <laughs> so senior, uh, you've won your second conference title. Uh, you're going to your third regional. Um, I mean, I know it's hard to, to sum it up in, in a short sentence, but, like, describe your gaucho career. What has it been like oh, man. Uh, being a gaucho? It's honestly been unreal. If you would have told me that I'd, I'd be in my third regional appearance... In, in four in technically three years uh, if you would have told me that I'd have accomplished this much when I first got there I would I would have said you were crazy honestly <laughs> I was just trying to make the team make the team make, walk on uh, right yeah walk on uh, make mechanical engineering technically a walk on there too so 
it's just unreal how far I've come. It's, it's crazy, honestly. I don't know how to put it into words. You, you choking up right now? A little bit. A little bit? No, I'm good. <laughs> But it, it's been really fun watching your career. It's been fun watching you grow. Uh, you do a lot of, of great things on the field. Have you always had the, the no look picked at first or is it something that you have harnessed here? I, I saw that in my senior year of high school. I don't know, I, there's a random video of some dude in the minor leagues doing it. And I was hooked at that point. You're like, I gotta, I gotta I, learn I how to do to this. I, I gotta learn how to do it. I actually pulled it out. Uh, I learned it in high school and I pulled it out um, in freshman year fall. And KJ was actually, I believe, the first baseman and he, I forgot to tell him. <laughs> and I think I threw the ball away and he missed it. And so. <laughs> did he miss it or did you throw the ball away? Because those are two different things. I want to say he missed it. I want to say it was a dime, but I honestly forget. It's, it was a long time ago. <laughs> have you ever, have you gotten anybody on the no one? I, no, I haven't. I've been so close to it too. <laughs> I, on, on that Sunday, I told I told uh, all the catchers, I'm gonna no look pick someone today. Well, you did. And I pulled it out, and we were so you, close you did to pick him. off a guy at first, but it wasn't a no look. Yeah, it was just a regular pitch, <laughs> and he got flat tired. What's the What's the best pop time you've ever had throwing to second base? So we have we have TrackMan time, and then we have like the hand stopwatch. time, stopwatch time, stopwatch time, stopwatch time. I think I've pulled off like a one eight five. I want to say. Trackman time, which is probably more accurate, it's like a one nine five. What's what's exceptionally good? Under a two is really good. Under two. Okay, so we're there. We're there. At we're under there. Two. Yeah, we're there. Okay, That's mechanical my, engineering. Tell me something about mechanical engineering. What were you working on today? It's a lot of work. Oh, I'm I have a senior capstone project where we're building a a tire wash system for a uh, trash facility. It's a, it's a it's a pretty complex project. We've been working on it all year. Study in study hall today. You had like two different computers. Two computers. You, were, you were using two hands at once. You have like the, the schematic where you like you can spin the thing around and and it's it's totally cool. It's it's really crazy, honestly. What about the bike the bike tread stuff? Oh, that one was pretty cool too. We built a, a bike that you could uh, you could flip the tread into a road bike or a mountain bike. Just flip the tread, just like just that. Flip the tread. Don't much. have to change the wheel or Don't anything. Have to change the wheel. Both the treads are on the wheel, and you just, just flip the tread. It's hard to explain, but it was a pretty cool project. Okay, what's what's next after baseball? Find, find a job. Build something. Build something cool. What would be the coolest thing to build? Oh man, that's there's a lot of cool things to build. Just give me one. I like I like uh, electric cars. Electric Ooh, cars would be cool. Okay, those are hot. Those are hot. Okay, I like it. That'd be that'd be the ideal ideal position for me to get into. Okay. Um, it's time to stretch. The guys are stretching behind us, so uh, go join your team and uh, good luck out there today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kev. Thanks, Mason. Do we, you told me Rice doesn't have any? Do we need uh, someone to protect us? Rice, Rice, I'll protect, Rice just I'll has protect like us. 10 wins. Rice, can you protect us? That's right. Rice, Rice decided to get wins instead of saves. Yeah, that's all right. Fair enough. Well, we're here with, uh, with some pitchers. Pueblo Radiology pregame show, game two, Bakersfield Woo! against Santa Barbara. Yachts won last night, nine to six. Ryan Harvey got the save, and with that save, it was the twentieth team save of the year, and that set a new school record. Let's have a round of applause. Yeah. Round of applause. Yeah. Okay, and so we're joined by everybody who has a save this year. So that's Ryan Harvey. He's got eleven. Ager's got five. Matt Ager. Uh, Alex Schreier with two. The Deuce. Brady Huddleston with one, and Elliot Gallegos with one. Thanks, so. 
saving, saving games. Who wants to tell me the most important thing about saving games? Um, Everyone's pointing to Harvey. Yeah. I don't know. I would just say don't walk anyone. Don't walk anyone. That's That helps. That's interesting. Um, I'd say just keep attacking. Don't get scared just because it's a close game. It's easy to let the pressure get to you. But, uh, Okay, so that was a real answer. So now, like, a fun answer. Most important? Most important thing about getting a save. Uh, you don't let up any runs. Yeah. Don't give yeah. up any runs. That's, yeah, that don't helps. give up any runs. <laughs> what if you have a three-run lead, though, and you can give you up can one, or, one two. or two? Yeah. yeah, but then once you get the save, hold up your arms and X. Make yeah. sure the other team knows yeah. it's a lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to show yeah, The Sillies have to battle there. Yeah. yeah. So why are you thinking about yeah. that before it yeah. happens? Okay, Harvey, what, what, was your, what was your best save of the year? Oh, um, I think Long Beach was a fun one because I came in with uh, guys on first and second, no outs. I think it was a one-run game. A 3-2 game on Saturday? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, just 10 fastballs, different spots, and ten strikes. ended up getting the win. Yeah, 10 strikes, first time I 100%. threw 100% strikes. That was fun. Wait, 10 pitches, 10 strikes? Yep. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the only time I've ever thrown 100% strikes. Ever. Wow, that's great. Yeah, okay, Hager, what was your best save? Um, probably Cal Poly because it was fun. Just Ooh, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Close games, high energy. The environment was cool, and that was obviously big games too. Okay, um, Schreier, since you have two, do uh, you I even remember? Remember yeah, which yeah, ones? Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I think St. Mary's was cooler because I went the innings before too, so I got to finish the game, which was cool. Okay, now I think Brady, do you have a win too? Or is, it just, I or is it just a save? Because Elliot, Elliot has a win and a save, so I'm going to ask him what, I've been, if the win was better or if the save was better. But you remember your save? Your situation that you came in at? Uh, yeah, it was one run game, or maybe tied, and the eighth inning. Against CSUN, right? Yeah. And you weren't on the initial roster for no. that? No. Hattie was sick. I drove down the day so before. So you, you weren't on the bus? No. Drove down no, day before, down. thrown into the fire, yeah. and got the save. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Through some strikes. So you drove yourself to your own save. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. That's an expensive save these days. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Elliot, but what was better, the win or the save? Um, I think the win might be better. Uh, I think okay. coming in against Dixie State and helping us walk off that day was, was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, anyway, getting in the game where you have the opportunity to help us win is, is awesome, but that one was sick. Getting to walk off against 60 State. Okay. Yeah. Happy birthday, well, didn't, Kevin. Didn't you get a save? Oh, it's Kev's birthday? So it's Maxine's birthday on Sunday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Kev. <laughs> Kevin! Yeah. Happy birthday! Yeah, okay. Yeah, my birthday's October, October 13th. We could save it for another six months and Play celebrate below. it. Feel free to send him a gift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two, two games left. Who's, who's getting the call for the save today? My money's on Clayton, Clayton Hall. Yeah, Clayton, Clayton Hall. Hall. Okay, yeah, he's, he's he bouncing up and down. He's, he's got the reverse jinx going. going. Now, do you guys have any? Do you guys have any influence on Dylan and checks on who he's sending in to get the save? No, no, no absolutely no. Absolutely no. Actually, we have no idea. What kind of comes to them? It's just a wave comes to them. They don't have influence. Yeah, your ass better be ready. So when I'm when I'm sitting up there when I'm sitting up there in the booth and I sense that whoever's on the mound might get one more hitter or get a chance to try and finish the inning, is that? By, by lobbying with whoever is out there. If it, well, it's always checks. Yeah. By lobbying with checks to, to, to beg for one more hitter or make a case, is that just not true? Like, 
you have no say in the matter at all when you're out there? And normally, I mean, yeah. Usually when he makes a decision. I don't think that works. He's usually pointing down to the bullpen before you (laughs) Yeah, before you even get a chance. I think I've told him to stay before (laughs) in the the dugout. So no one one has successfully lobbied for an extra hitter. Goody has. Mike G. Mike G. Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. And then next, like one or two pitches, double play out of the end. Yeah. Yep. So, so that, so that happened. So he he yep. successfully lobbied. Like he said, he said, he said and then I executed. got him before he even said anything. I got him, and Chuck said, "Okay," and walked in. Okay. Well, Mike. Mike uh, thanks, Jason. I appreciate that, Jason. Will, what are you doing in the bullpen? Um, oh wait, actually, I was talking with Jason's dad, uh, and he's played six of the nine positions. Seven. Seven. No, sorry. Seven. Well, you want to hear the conversation? Yeah. So seven. Seven. So so we yeah, want we want Jason to get an inning. So that's you know, why you're down said, here. He my shoulder isn't feeling good, and if checks are for me inning this weekend, although I've been begging for five years, I'd say no. Wow. What? I'm bought in on the team. I, if I blew my arm out and I couldn't throw next week, we're not asking for you. Know, that's a teammate. That's I'm not going to go lob it in there. If I'm going up there, I'm throwing as hard as I can. Yeah, that's crazy. Appreciate that. That's that's teammate. True teammate. It is true teammate. Yeah, because Jones said to check some you down. So <laughs> I guess did you play first base? In the regional last year in Arizona. No way, I missed that. Yeah, yeah it was one inning, and I screwed, up a, I screwed up a back. It was a <laughs> <laughs> check put a fake backpick on with game. Troy on, and I'm standing at first, and Troy oh, comes set. Game? No, it was like the last game at the end. Oh. Against Troy, Arizona. Against Arizona, and yeah. Troy comes set, and checks came at first with a pick. Oh, God. Take that out. Flip <laughs> 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 oh that out. But I was standing there, and, and I was like, and I was like, no wonder this guy doesn't if play first base. If he picks this ball, is like in right field, so I have to go. Like I, I wasn't not gonna do it, and I went. And the guy jumped back and Troy pitched and it worked out. But yeah, bleep that's that incredible. Out. You gotta bleep that. That's incredible. <laughs> okay, well, I, I mean, it would be great to see Jason get an inning, right? Yeah. But it would be cool to see Clayton Hall get a save, right? Uh, or if, or we could get Brady saved today and Elliot saved tomorrow, so nobody is left with just one save, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or we can let Harvey save today and tomorrow and then try and go for the to tie the record. School record's fourteen individually. She needs three more. All right, yeah. That's cool. That's, that's, that's doable. A lot of close games. That's doable, right? Yeah, yeah. You saved five games. I mean, you saved gonna... five games in a row at one point this year. Did yeah, you know that? Yeah. yeah. What, what happened? <laughs> games weren't as close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the offense picked got to keep okay. them in three. Who, of all the pitchers, who would be the first one off the bench to get an at bat? Uh, Corey Lewis. Everybody yeah, raise your hand. Corey, 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 the general? Corey Lewis. Dylan? Should it be Corey? Clayton is not second. Clayton Let's just make might, sure we got that out there. The pod does yeah, well. not even I like no, that. I just don't like how yeah, much Clayton talks about it. Corey came here as a two-way and hit a fall. He might have the best fun. You've got to get BP. But he doesn't have any. But Clayton makes a good point. Corey doesn't have any collegiate bats, but Clayton did hit in junior college. Clayton also says that a lot. There's a reason. There's a reason he doesn't hit. Let's keep in mind, Clayton came here. He's a pitcher. He didn't come here. I could have. I could have shown up for a Yeah, yeah. I could have too. So could have I. We all could have. You guys didn't get on. Because no, <laughs> that's also so that's also a, a, a that's a heated subject. Yeah, I guess you. Corey Lewis. I mean, you're thinking if, if you want a guy hitting a home run, it's Corey Lewis. We just gotta get BP and then we'll find out. Yeah. So how do, how do you guys get BP? No walk, yep. shutout. Yep. That happened. That hasn't happened yet. For it. Still, Still looking for it. Happened last year. Never got BP. So I'm not sure if it's an urban legend. Did it happen last year? Michael McGreevy in Hawaii. That's right. 
That's right. But it wasn't on TV, so no one saw it, so there's yeah, no proof. So technically, <laughs> it was actually never happened. Yeah, it happened on a different I think, it, I think it happened in 19, too, and they did get BP. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Jack Dash would hit, like, 20 home runs off me. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. We've been waiting for that day. We're waiting. Okay, last question. Predictions for the day. Predictions uh, for the day. Prediction? Yeah. Gotcha win. Any Just any, anything yeah. that could happen. Yeah. Anything that could happen. I'm going to take Clayton all safe. I got a BK. Two homers today, boys. Okay. Homers. Blake, Blake Klaus and two homers. Uh, I'm, I'm, also in, gonna I'm in on that. I think double I was going to well in BP in He's the not, game. not starting. Yeah. Oh. Never mind. Yeah, then John Newman, because he's a John Newman homer? Okay. <laughs> okay, so lots of homers. Lots of homers. I think okay. Uh, Goody over six and a half Ks. Goody yeah. over six and a half Ks? Yeah. 10 8 innings. Okay, I'm with that. Uh, pitchers, thank you. Thanks, thank guys. Happy birthday. Birthday. Okay. We did have them on. Yeah, send me like a couple picks on, on the, the podcast earlier this year. Yeah, right? that's why I want him to do most of the talking because I got my own. But we have, we have to introduce Devin. This is Devin and Maxine. They are the analytics leadership. Okay. The analytics leadership here at UCSB. And this is the last day of the regular season, game three, between the Gouches and the Roadrunners, Pueblo Radiology pregame show. Um, well, there's been a long, there's now been a long history, a long list of great analytics folk fellows call it quantitative <laughs> analysis people like <laughs> <laughs> that have rolled through Santa Barbara starting with it was Evan Short it was Tony Ortiz David Tillotson Spencer Stewart and now it's Maxine Wang and Devin Cost and Maxine you were on the podcast earlier and you are graduating data science and economics and accounting four majors you only said three of them <laughs> oh statistics okay you need to write it down. Data and science are, are two different ones. No, statistics and data science. I know. <laughs> statistics, data science, well, if you economics and accounting. Well, and data and science, then that's five. So five majors for Maxine. <laughs> uh, so you're, you're graduating, you're, pa- you're passing along the reins to Devin, who is a first-year data science major here at UCSB. Um, I just, like, how has your experience been at UCSB? Um, what was it like coming up and learning, and, and where are you headed? Okay. We're on, we're on right now. What? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Well, my it's been great. I <laughs> sound really stupid thus far. I thought we were rehearsing. <laughs> um, it's been great. Um, Tony is really was the first person to give me a chance, and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, I was just telling Brandy yesterday night about how I wouldn't have this career or like anything that I'm doing now if it weren't for Tony and Chekets believing in like analytics and like making it such a big part of the program. Um, so I'm really grateful for that, and I've learned a ton even this year, especially being on the road and everything. So it's been really great. Okay, and when you graduate in well a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Um, where are you headed? You already got a job lined up. Yes, I'm going to Toronto um, at the end of June, and I will be working in Rogers Center in the center of Toronto um, in the front office. Yeah. In the front office, and what's your title going to be? Um, Research and Development Fellow. Okay, so that's why I said fellow earlier. Yes. <laughs> and and Tony is a quantitative, quantitative analysis. Not qualitative. No, quantitative. What's the difference between qualitative and quantitative? Quantitative is like numbers. Okay. Qualitative is like the quality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a qualitative program here at UCSB. And a quantitative one. And quantitative. The two Qs, right? (laughs) Um, 
okay, so you're going you're in Toronto Blue Jays. You've you spent some time already with the Blue Jays. Um, you came back for school. Like, how does that work? Was it an internship before, and now is it going to be an internship again, or is it some kind of professional like contract thing? Yeah. So I, I had an internship with them the summer before this year. So I was in Dunedin, Florida, at their player development complex, um, doing my internship there. And then at the end, they offered me the MLB Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship. So that's technically how I got my job through MLB. They have a program for people of color and women to get jobs at pro clubs. Um, so I was in contact with the guy that runs that and he helped kind of coordinate that. And then they flew me out to Toronto at the end of the summer to interview for that fellowship. So all of the clubs that are a part of that program have to choose a diversity and inclusion fellow for a contract of basically two seasons. So I'm going to be finishing out this season and then completing a full one the next year. And then we'll see if they extend my contract after that. So That's it's awesome. not an internship. It is like a full salary paid job um but it is a set contract like deadline type thing going to canada yes you excited yes i can see it yeah i can tell well it tells me that it's pretty similar so okay and are you leaving the gaucho program in good hands yes very much so okay so let's, let's introduce, introduce Devin, uh first year data science major and you are from the bay area pleasanton correct right and what, what was your path into this position that you're currently in, and what sparked your interest? It was kind of a wild one. Like, so I've always been a baseball fan my whole life, but like over the summer, I was like, I was talking to my friend Matt Ager on the team, and he said how good their analytics program was. Your was homie, like, your homie Matt. I guess you could say that. <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to get involved, and so I reached out to Evan Short on Twitter because for some reason he followed me back, a previous director of analytics, and I was like, hey. Like, do you have any advice for me? And he came back and said, you know what, here, I'll just, like, introduce you to Spencer Stewart and David Tillerson. And he sent, he CC'd me on an email, and then I started talking with uh, Stu. And he, he's like, he's, I was talking to him about it, and he said, apply in the fall. And I applied, and I did not get the internship. <laughs> and so I was like, are there any student manager positions open? And he said no. And so I kind of thought that was the end of my first year with with the baseball team and then I was looking online and I saw a job opening with Dylan Jones our pitching coach and I applied for it and I got it and then I just showed up to the field and Sean Isaac uh, he started one of our past player development coaches I'm not quite sure what his title is but he showed me how to do track man rap soto and I guess I was just at the field a lot and the people ahead of me got some good jobs with MLB teams, and so I kind of just slowly moved my way up the ladder, and now here I am. It's quick, a uh, whirlwind, oh, Whirl, yeah. whirlwind year for you, because it felt like you weren't there in September, you no. weren't there in October. You kind of I was like kind of in the background, I think, at the end yeah, of October, yeah, in November, and and you got a grasp of everything that that we were doing. Yeah, was, and and the coaches started to trust you, and and Maxine started to trust you, and you're able to handle the the rigors of setting up tripods and video cameras <laughs> and handling the, the statistics breakdown and breaking down the data. And so moving forward, what's the, the future of the program look like under the new director of analytics who's standing right here? You know, what, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to do big things? Like I hope so. I mean, there are some big shoes to fill. I'm hoping to open some new positions for any incoming gauchos coming in next year who are stat and data science majors. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't... I put a little bit of thought into it, not too much though. Got got to finish this year first, you know, and then I'll start worrying about next year. Well, question for both of you: talking about the team that you guys have, 
because it's not just you two doing everything. Uh, there's there's Correct. a there's a team of interns under you guys that that do a lot of work, and without them, uh, it would be a lot more challenging. So like, how big is the team? What do they do? And, and like, how many of them are? Yeah. What do they do? We have seven student interns, and during the fall, we do research projects. So I came up with like ideas on like just ways that we could develop our players, like pitch design, like research projects, like how we can optimize our lineup, things like that. So during the fall, it's like a development, really fun, like statistics, like research type based time and we have meetings every week and then we share kind of what's going on with our projects and then once the season starts it moves into a scouting report role and we're all just all hands on deck doing scouting reports pumping them out twice a week basically so we a hundred percent could not do it without that many people and all of them and they're all such great hard workers and I told them all they can come back you know and Devin agrees <laughs> like no need to interview they're all great um obviously the ones that are graduating are graduating but yeah, it's a great team of people. Um, it's really fun. You can see our picture with the trophy on <laughs> Twitter. Um, we what's have a what's good the time. analytics Twitter? SB Baseball Data still? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Hot ticket there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little but, plug. Well, it's great to have. It's great to have continuity, of course, and, and people coming back that know the drill and want to yeah. learn more and, and get more advanced. And that's kind of that's kind of the program that mm-hmm. we run with the oh. analytics. Is got to get better each and every year. Justin, you want to say something? <laughs> this is your opportunity. Um, Justin Hahn, bullpen catcher. Go Gauchos. Yeah. Atta babe. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's see. Well, are you guys excited for the postseason? Excited and nervous. It's right during finals time, so it's, it's going to be a lot of... I'm going to be very busy you know, studying, scouting reports, but I'm excited. We have to prepare for three teams of scouting reports, so we have to buy more binders, more ink for our portable printer, all that stuff. Um, we're gonna be planning on coordinating for all the colors for new teams. Very exciting, yeah. Color coordinated scouting reports. Yep, for sure. That's the detail. Yes. Detail oriented makes course. it easier for the coaches. Ferg would never have anything otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Ferg, Ferg is very demanding, but for the right reasons. Yes, yeah, isn't that right? but specifically for color, too. He really likes gotta be color. Coordinated. Yeah. He's got to look good. He's got to know. When, when, if you're playing Grand Canyon, it's got to be purple. If oh, you're playing yeah. Texas, it's got to be burnt orange. Yep. Exactly. If you're playing Stanford, it's got to be cardinal red. The correct hue as well. So we find out what's three teams that you guys have to prep for on Monday. Yes. And so you have maybe four days? Mm-hmm. Four if, days if to, watch, to watch video and go through... All the things that you guys go through, the track band data, if you can find anything, mm-hmm. synergy, yes. all that stuff. Yep. So four days for three teams Yep. with, what, nine? Nine of us. Plus, plus some staff that helps a little bit as well. Yeah, like yeah, Erdy, yeah, the coaching staff Erdy watches DJ video. Ferg, they're yeah, very and checks. on it. Yeah, Marsh too. And Michael Marsh, got to shut <laughs> him out, yes. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's all hands on deck and... There's there's a lot of reasons why the Gauchos have won 42 games at this point. There's there's talent on the field. There's talent in the dugout. There's there's good coaching. There is qualitative process. Quantitative. No qualitative process. Oh, okay, I'm quality. We do things with quality. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Quality catch. Quality. Quality standing for the anthem. Quality. <laughs> uh, quality batting practice. Quality weights. Like all that stuff. And then there's quantitative process, which is what we just broke down here. So. Uh, Maxine and Devin, thank you. Um, lots of work to be done, and let's hope, hopefully we're doing it for a couple more weeks. Yes, yeah, for agreed. sure. Thank, right. you. thank you. Thank you.
Okay, my guest is former head coach of the Gauchos, former assistant, and former player, Bob Bronsma, who you heard all, all year long on ESPN Plus with Jerry Fall uh, and myself, and has been an upstanding member of the Gaucho community for for many years. A, 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 a ride chuckle, thank you. Um, so we're recording this Sunday night uh, before the announcement of the full field, but we do have the regional sites. Um, so what we're going to do is we'll go through some of the regional sites. We'll maybe speculate a little bit on on what who we think is going to make it, who's going to be out, uh, have a little fun with that, and then go over uh, – the Gaucho passed, uh, take a trip down memory lane with the regionals that Bob was a part of, uh, six of them. Um, won't get into, we won't spend too much time on all of them, but there's some stuff that, that I want to touch. And since it's playoff, playoff season, playoff fever, I have playoff fever. Um, the Gauchos have playoff fever and it's a fun time of year. Um, but Bob, uh, thank you for taking the time. You're going on vacation, but we got Got to talk some baseball, and last year you got all 64 teams right. You guessed them all. And it was and, guessed. Solely guessed. <laughs> and this year you got all the 16 regional sites, so congratulations. Yeah, so far so good. Now I'm actually going to try to see if I can expand my guessing to where teams will go. And so I, I'm riding a hot streak, and I'm, I should quit while I'm ahead, but I'm going to blow it by trying to figure out who's close enough on a bus ride to go where. So we'll see how it plays out. Well, that's important. And now that we've finished all the conference tournaments, or at least most of them, you know, we know the the shape of the bubble and the teams that uh, played with the role of upset uh, Cinderella to, to come through teams like New Mexico State, Kennesaw State, um, that are bumping teams out of the tournament um, that were on the bubble. Uh, but first, I, my computer up here is frozen. I'm trying to pull up the 16 regional sites, but since you got them all right, you can go down the regional sites. Well, let me let me find my proper sheet here. I, I would say that, you know, uh, there were a lot of bids stolen, uh, and I'm interested to see uh, what teams are going to get booted because it's really a difficult time because – the, the teams on my list uh, are all deserving teams, and, yes. and everyone you, you always say that because yeah. there are a lot. There are always a couple teams that that get booted, uh, but some of these are you know they're forty win teams. They either won the you know Grand Canyon I think is 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 potentially out, and they won their conference and they had a great year. And so that's a that's a really that's a really tough thing for a team. Uh, you know, I've been involved in that a couple a couple times there, you know, you think you're in and then then you're not. And and uh and my bitterness on all that comes uh that I I think that it's first of all it's an extremely difficult job for these people, the committee members to to do this. There's no question about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, every oh it's RPI, oh it's you know strength schedule, oh it's your last 10 games, how'd you finish? What'd you do? Did you win a game in the con so all that stuff yeah, is is really just an argument that they can use at some point. If you watch whoever is on the chair, uh, they have a, a basis of what they go on, and then they just kind of find an argument that fits into who they want to get in. And quite frankly, 
who is in the room is, you know, at the end of the day, are, are the most, the most important thing. Uh, we've discussed this before, I think, uh, 2013 and 14, the Gauchos and Irvine got in as the last team because Dennis Farrell, our commissioner was in the room. And, and because I've, I've been on the edge of that, that, uh, that looking in and not getting in, uh, I can, I can identify the fact that one, both those teams, Irvine and, and our Gaucho team of that year were worthy, just like some of these other teams are going to be worthy, but who's in that room makes it, will make the call on getting in. And so that's why on my sheet, I, I bumped Dallas Baptist out of my projections. However, there's a Missouri Valley conference person in the room. So it'll be interesting to see if, they do get bumped. And then you could say the same thing. Uh, well, here, one, one thing on, on Dallas Baptist, because I, I, I talked about them on the broadcast, and they had this 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 ridiculous non-conference schedule. They played Maryland. They played, they played well, yeah. They played Southern Miss. Both of those are, are host sites, and they, they won those series. I think they swept Maryland. Uh, they played non you know midweeks against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Wofford, who's one of those bubble teams that, that we think should get in but might not get in with the – the conference champions uh, being crowned. So hey, they deserve to be in. That's they do. Not, and they have I'm a top. They don't deserve it. And they have what a top thirty. Is, they have a top thirty RPI. Like it's like at twenty two right now. But uh, Missouri State won the conference tournament. And right, Missouri State with over one hundred. Over one hundred. And, and DBU. Missouri, yes. And, and DBU, the they finished third finished in their third conference. Third in the conference that was a one bid conference. Right. So. But they got a strong RPI and they have great yeah, non-conference. So that could easily be an argument for right. them. Again. However, right now, and I haven't checked anything other finishes. Right now, I have at least two teams that uh, Michigan is one of them, and UNC Greensboro. Uh, Greensboro. Both won their conference tournaments. Both won the conference tournament, are, so are taking somebody's spot. Yes. And all the four seeds are automatic bids. New Mexico State, New Mexico State, Canisius, yeah, Coppin State, yeah. those are all automatic yeah. bids. Yeah. Bingham, Binghamton and Binghamton. So all those and you know, there's some there's a couple of good four C teams in there, but they're also they're also automatic qualifiers. So now you got to move into the three seeds, and a lot of those are conference qualifiers. So you're you're taking a potential 30 RPI out of the regional. And that's that's devastating for that team. Yes. And uh, and, and so these, how these I, teams could be West Virginia, Rutgers, Conference, Wofford, and they, and they lost two games today to get yep. knocked out to have whoever ended up winning that. I think it was UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro. Greensboro, yep. whatever whatever UNC fill in the letter goes on that. Uh, so they got knocked out. So you take out a first place team, Wofford. Or do you take out a third place team in a one bid conference? Granted, they have a great, they all have resumes. They all have something. Everybody say, does. The last 10 or their RPI, their expense, they all have something. But this is what's going to, it's going to be interesting. This is why I get fun to talk about it now before it happens. <laughs> the people in the room, go look at who's on the committee and find out who are going to be the surprise bids tomorrow. And that, this is our little <laughs> test to see if my theory is it's right. Yeah, well, uh, no matter what happened, my theory is right, but it'll be a good test. 
plan and the people in the room is is public knowledge it's out there you can yeah. you can find it on the NCAA website um so here so here are the host sites the host sites in alphabetical order uh auburn well i guess auburn alabama so that's auburn austin texas texas blacksburg virginia tech chapel hill north carolina college park maryland college station texas a&m coral gables florida miami corvallis oregon state gainesville florida greenville north carolina that's east carolina hattiesburg southern miss knoxville the number one volunteers louisville stanford Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern, and Stillwater, Oklahoma State. So two West Coast regionals, Stanford and Oregon State. Everything else is in the on the East Coast or in the South. So there's a couple in Texas. I think there are five ACC hosts. There are four SEC hosts, um, and then a few smattered out around there. Um, so as far as where the Gouchers are going to go, you know, there's there's only uh, six spots on the West Coast, and we had Air Force win the conference tournament. We had New Mexico State win the conference tournament. San Diego win the conference tournament. There's going to be a, a handful of Pac-12 teams. I, mean, I think UCLA is going to get in after their uh, that yeah. ridiculous yeah. game against Oregon State where when they, they walked off. State, yeah, when they beat Oregon State twice at the end of the year, that for me locked them in. I yeah. had them at the three seed, and, and their RPI is still three it's seed. Strong. Very, yeah, uh, but they're going to be a two seed, I think. Uh, we're in the we're in a similar boat. Our RPI is probably three seed area. Yeah, but forty. I think, I think it's forty five right now, forty six, something like that. Right. So that's definitely three seed if you're just looking at numbers uh, RPI. If you live your life on the RPI, um, but you you have to you have to manipulate locations and do that type of stuff and i think i quite frankly i think usd getting in benefits i think that that could push the gauchos to a two seed because i think if they want to keep the uh the busing and close and that type of stuff san diego could go to stanford as three seed and that would make us the two seed there well then there's there was talk of uh d1 baseball had gauchos in corvallis with uh, Air Force as the fourth seed, and Air Force has a legitimate number one starter, and Cooper Jerpy, who's a, who's the ace for Oregon State, that would force Oregon State to probably throw their ace against Air Force, and then, you know, who knows what happens after that. But uh, yeah, we we talked about the the Big West Conference has had uh, their champion in the Stanford Regional each of the last three seasons: Fullerton in eighteen, Gouches in nineteen, Ant Eaters last year so we've talked about it a lot i think the gouchers are going to go to stanford it's a bus trip uh that whole thing but with these with the way the conference tournaments turned out you know who knows and yeah. there being only two west coast regionals um you know as conference champions but you know, the big west rpi is is kind of weak like who knows so it's you don't uh know. It's exactly right and you just you just don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna wing it and uh if it's if some of it's going to be on, you know, it's close enough, then, uh, you know, I, I could see us being a two seed at Stanford. Uh, you know, certainly teams don't want to play us. I mean, you know, we're not a, you know, if we're a three seed, we're a, we're a, we're, we're a one seed disguised as a three seed, right? Because how our season went uh, based on RPI and the luck that the, the conference 
was just not very good this year. So um, I don't think teams would want to play us. It's like I don't think they'd want to play USD, who's, who, who's you know running pretty hot. But you know, Gaucho's not losing a, a, a weekend series all year is pretty impressive, and the amount of sweeps that are in there. You know, the record speaks for itself. But so uh, they just got to kind of get their mojo back, even though. You know, how do you say they don't have their mojo? They've won, I don't know, they've won six, seven so, straight, whatever it is. And yep. Sweeps 40, 43 and 12, uh, 27 and three in the Big West Conference. Uh, strong winning uh, winning percentages. I don't have the numbers as far as the winning percentages are in front of me, but could be the best winning percentage after a regular season in school history. I think so. Um, and then uh, you finish the year winning eight straight or six straight, beg your pardon. Last year it was eight straight. And I'm just I'm gonna do this really quick. Last year there was the the series with UCLA and Irvine where there was a lot of weight put on both of those series, and then they transpired. Gauchos only won a couple of those games, and it felt like uh oh, maybe this season is at a loss. But then you win eight straight to finish the year. It felt free, easy. Not not easy. It felt free and and loose and they were playing without a little weight on their shoulders and leading up to the conference championship you could feel like there was a little bit of pressing like we got to do this we got to get this done like playing tense playing tight and then you win it and then these last four games have been very very loose and comfortable i'd actually said that on air that i thought in particular the last game against uh baker not bakersfield Riverside. riverside Yeah, you know, this was you're going to see the real gauchos, and and we kind of did see that. And, uh, but you know, everything changes when when you get in the the advantage of I don't know how many guys in the 2000 you know 19 squad were on a, a previous campaign you know regional thing. You know, I was always had the contention that uh, you know you, you work really hard some with a group of guys to bust down a door and do something for the first time with a group. Uh, and some guys busted down and just keep running. Some guys busted down and then stumble over the door as they get in, and they're not the same team that that busted down the door. Uh, and so, you know, that was probably what happened. You know, we were we did the Stanford thing together on the on the radio that probably no one listened to, but uh, uh, you know, so that was that just. I mean, that was a really, really, really good team, and they were. It, it's just an example of what can happen in a regional uh, that you just go and everything is, is just hype. And if you catch a good guy and you're, and your good guy gets a little off and something happens and, you know, it's just, it's, it's what you, what I used to say about the, the pressure of being good uh, when your best player that you have all the confidence in the world goes up and gets an out in a big, opportunity it's a big letdown the huge letdown if if your worst guy is up there an opportunity and he doesn't get anything it's eh, you know you know we didn't we weren't anticipating it just on the same thing is when the bad guy or the fat guy the guy you're not expecting you know gets the big hit it's far more exciting far more ju- joyous the unsung hero yes the, the cinderella exactly. so, yeah. so if you're happy for him you're happy well the odds we didn't think it was going to happen so that's that mental thing that you go through and and those things are heightened in a regional the uh god we're really we really need Corey lewis you know to you know be this or be that and you know you know he's off 
you know, how do we handle that? You know, how do you handle it? Uh, he's been off, but you guys have dominated. And We've handled he, it. He's handled, handled it. And he, he's handled it mainly. That's one of the things I love about him is he might have, you know, a tough inning, but he battles and give a big innings. But he is a guy that really with his even keel attitude uh, doesn't really blow up. But you guys have handled that all year. Will you be able to do it if that happened? And it didn't have to be Corey Lewis. It could be could be anybody, you know. You know, could be Clausen. You know, oh, my God, Clausen got out. Right. Well, and, and we've, we've talked about this a lot. It is every weekend. It's somebody different. It's somebody else carrying the torch uh, on, on the pitching side and on the offensive side. It's been a different guy carrying the torch each and every weekend. And you like that as a fan and as a coach and as, as, a, as a, a parent, you like that heading into a regional and thinking and, about your chances. And really, when you look at it, your biggest weekend of the year, and it turned out to be the biggest weekend of the year, even you know, if we, the Cal Poly series had, had we not won that series or not swept, we'd lost that series two out of three because we had Cal Poly has done a pretty good number on us over the, over the years. Uh, but what happened on that is you had guys just like you're talking about step up the Johnny blooms with the big hits and the uh, Nick Oakley's coming up big. And, you know, so just, you know, sprinkle came up with big hits, even though he's, he's a guy. Uh, but, you know, so there was just, guys that weren't Clawson obviously was was also huge and that uh anyway so it was it was a wide variety of guys that you not, wouldn't necessarily expect or hadn't had it for a while uh and you guys won your most important and dominated your most important series so that's what you got to draw on not the struggles against Dixie and you know in Riverside and you know because you got to draw on those things and having one six straight and feeling good about it certainly goes a long way to doing that. You would hope. Okay. And one reason I wanted to have you on is talk about prior regionals and you went to six, uh, in your coaching slash playing career, uh, one as a player, three as an assistant and two as head coach. So we're going to transition back in time and, and we're going to play memory game here. So, so best of, best of luck, but I've got some things to try and tee you up here. But uh, 1983, as a player, it was the year that you set then the single season stolen base record with 45 steals before Joe Roundtree came around. Uh, 1986, 87, and 90 as an assistant. Won the championship in 86 as an automatic bid, and then 96 in 2001 as a head coach. So five of those were at large uh bids and I'm, I'm i'm most curious about 83 and then 2001 because 83 different format than it is now now it's 64 teams in 83 was it 48 or i think it was less probably yeah, less than 48 so 83 we were we uh we were the conference champs on that okay that's right first yeah. it says yeah. first on the thing but so here's how that played out we but was it an automatic bid Yes. So I'll tell you, okay. if I can recall how it played out. Go for it. Uh, so that team, well, the fact that I played on it tells you that we were <laughs> underachievers or overachievers, <laughs> I guess I would say, uh, you know, not a, we had a phenomenal pitching staff led by Daniel Kobitas and, and some tough and some really good arms. And the rest of us were just scrappers, just scrappers that probably wouldn't make any team that has been a, a, a regional team, going forward uh, 
And we were 17 and 17 at one point in the late, oh, and three in conference. And then we won 25 of our last 28 ball games. And we ended up tying Fullerton, of course, uh, for the conference championship. And we all knew that if we don't, we had a playoff game one game playoff at a neutral site where it's a neutral site between uh, Santa Barbara and uh, Fullerton with Pepperdine in your conference, an hour for them, an hour for us, Long Beach. So wow. we go play, we go play uh, a neutral site game at Long Beach, not at Blair, but on campus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pre, is pre Blair. Well, Blair was there, but it was pre them playing there. Yeah. Wow. So I've seen that, you know, that field. Yeah, I've so seen that old that game, yeah. We we know we're not going. We know that they're going to take Fullerton over us, and if we have to, if we well, the, Fullerton if they beat us, they would in the, but we wouldn't have gotten that large. So we knew we had to win, and we went down there, and much like we had done all season, we fell behind, came back. I think Ferrer put up like six straight pinch hitters, and just like it did all year, all six got hits, and we end up winning the thing, and and celebrating on 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 long beach field and going on and uh and playing and getting to the championship game uh at stanford and uh and even that game uh it was typical us we had fallen behind uh five to three or we were, we were down and we came back and we took the lead and it was like, okay, we're going to win this game. It's just, that's what we did. That's what we've done all year. Uh, we just came from behind every game and this was going to be no different. Uh, and then we just had a freak, uh, a freak play happened. Uh, a topped ball down the third baseline. I'm not talking about top, chop, chop. Third baseman comes in decides to let it go but he lets it go between his legs because he thinks he's in foul territory but uh -oh. the umpire calls it fair yep it's rolling and we don't know no we of course we thought it was foul yeah but they end up scoring the winning run and we end up losing it was devastating because that, that, that was that, that was san diego state no that was that was uh that was against stanford we lost oh okay okay in the uh in the finals in yeah. the final the regional final yeah yes and in that one, yes, yeah, so you beat you beat Fullerton six four in the in the playoff game right out Long Beach and uh, and you go to Stanford for the regional. You drop the first game against San Diego State, then beat Oregon State, beat San Diego State to face Stanford right in the final, right. um, and then and Stanford Stanford winds up going to the Omaha, World Series that year. You know, straight the regionals were there were eight regionals. That's why back then some had six teams, some had four. four. That was how it was back in those days. So the winner of the regional went straight to Omaha. And Texas were the national champions. And two teams that made it to the College World Series that year, James Madison in the University of Maine in 1983. And well, first of all, Maine was, a, was an outstanding program. They were second really good. All, yeah, second of all, back then the regionals were regionals. So Maine hosted Yep. It was in Orono, Maine. Yeah. yeah. So you had sites because they wanted to have it be a national thing. And so uh, that's what happened in those days. You would get teams that wouldn't be making it normal nowadays, got a chance to get in there and, and, and compete. And so, uh, and that's, it was very difficult 
for those of us on the West, even if you go back to, uh, you know, the, the 60s and 70s, the 68 team was great. 72 team uh, was also a, a, a regional team. Dave well, Glory. Yep. Yeah, you, we had that. You had to go through SC. Santa yes, Clara. Was really, Santa Clara was really good, but you, everything had to go through SC, and that was the, when SC was winning. You know, SC Arizona State. Basically, SC was winning everything at that point, so it made it pretty difficult. So 83, 86, 87, and 90. Those were all uh, Al Ferrer coach teams. 86 Big West champs. Uh, that was at UCLA. 87 was at Stanford again. And then 90 was at Arizona State. So, you know, we're hearing the same names over again. USC's, the Stanford's, the Arizona State's. And then um, 96, as a head coach, you guys went to Stanford again. And we're, we're, we're developing a theme here because Stanford hasn't been a friendly place for the Gauchos. There's some, there's some demons there. And, you know, it would be great to go there and try and, try and erase those demons this, I'm just putting it out there. I think, nice. I think they're prime. I think they're prime. Like 700 games are on. They're, they're the, the Pac-12 championship game is going on right now, I think. It is. It is, so. as we speak. Um, so we get to 2001. And when we had uh, you on prior podcasts with, with Michael Young and Spilly and Skip, uh, Spilly and Skip were on that team in 2001. And you talked about that team, probably the best offensive team that has played at UCSB potentially, you know, 19 was strong offensively this year has, has been pretty strong offensively, but 2001, you know, you got two big leaguers on that team and you go out to Notre Dame and it was team that year, 338, 338 as a team, not yeah. a, not, you know, not your top five guys. That's the team hit 338. So I, I would say this, the, the game of the teams that I was a, a coach on, head or assistant, uh, 86 and 2001 were hard to find a better offensive group than those two. Uh, that group had a couple of big leaguers on 86 team at a, at a couple of big leaguers on it as well. Uh, they didn't, they didn't have long careers, you know, they had cups of coffee and that type of stuff. Uh, but, uh, those two teams were, disappointing disappointing regionals the 86 team we went to the we went was a four-team regional so 86 is back when they had four and six and we went to a four-team regional uh four conference winners there was a the second we were ranked fifth ucla was ranked second uh loyola was ranked uh, i forget what loyola was ranked and hawaii had won the whack so four conference winners in that thing that's tough regional yeah it is so it was but uh we won the first game and Hawaii, we beat Loyola in the first game. Uh, and then uh, UCLA lost to Hawaii. And so it was the, it was the two seed versus the four seed and we're loaded. I mean, we're good. And, you know, we make an, we give up like 600 runs early, un unlike us. Uh, and then we battle back and, we had like tying runs on late and we're hitting missiles all over the place and they're making plays left and right. And, uh, anyway, we ended up losing that game and we're devastated. We thought we're going to the two and O game and we'll let the other teams fight. I mean, just, it was, that team was great. It had pitching depth. And 
anyway, so it's that was sad. And then the 2001 uh, different story in that we went in disabled with, without anybody really knowing about it. Hurting. So injuries, dead arms, scuffling. Uh, and, and what do we get? We get weather delays. So you start a guy and he goes four innings and you have a delay. And so you've lost him. And what, you know, our best guy was, was hurt and he pitched, you know, he tried to pitch through things. He was an all American. He was 10 and one going in and 10 and three coming out. That was, uh, that was Riley Ogle. That was James Garcia. Riley, James Garcia. James Garcia. Riley was yes. 10 and one, I think. Uh, but he was, he was on empty. He was on empty and he pitched the game that got rained out and we had to go and play it like over three days. And it was like a 35 to 28 game. And yeah, so we ended up winning it because that's, you know, that's against, uh, against Wisconsin, Milwaukee. Yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, they led the nation in hitting. So they are they led the nation hitting or run scored. One of the two, they were an incredible offensive program. Uh, and so it was a slug fest and a half. And then, so we win it. And then uh, Florida international defeats Notre Dame. We get Notre Dame. And uh, so we're on the brink of eliminating Notre Dame. And, um, you know, I bring in our all American cause he didn't go far on, on Friday. I bring him in on, this was Sunday. I bring him in to close it. And then, he didn't have it and he gave up a home run and we ended up losing and it was pretty devastating uh because that would have brought us we could have come home maybe and faced off against mark fryer and the usc yeah yeah so anyway that that was tough but it, it was not unexpected based on how i we were going in we really could have, there were times when there was a bye week between end of the year and the regionals and we really could have used a bye week to get get a little bit healthier so we went in there without a lot of people knowing that we were damaged uh but it was still hard because it was it was a great team and very disappointing clearly but uh well at the at, of course everybody knows every sports fan knows at the end of the season there's one team is crowned the winner and it's it's very difficult to win these regionals and and I myself now I've been to a few and at this point of the year you're you're playing teams that are complete teams they can hit they can pitch they're gonna they're gonna make that play in the hole where you think you got a base hit they're gonna run down that fly ball in the outfield that you think's landing in the gap they're gonna throw quality strikes when they have to like that's what you're up against and it's very hard uh, to win these things and yeah, you uh, got to be mentally tough. You got to be mentally really, tough. You really have to be mentally tough, mentally strong. You have to have a lot of confidence. And uh, the fact that the Gauchos have put that together such a great year, they should have, they should have a lot of confidence. Uh, so hopefully that can play that and they can show some, if they even run into any problem, they might just breeze through things, but uh, there's no question that it takes some, some toughness uh, and some breaks, you know, you got to play with a little luck. You got to get some, you got to get a, a luck, some luck here and there. And I think there's always something that can happen that you, you don't really think about at the time that is a huge advantage for you. And if you can parlay it, you know, a lot of teams have something to happen to help them parlay. It's not all about 
the greatest team. You know, it's not, you know, Tennessee runs through this thing and wins the championship. Okay, well then it is the best team, but they they might find something there that they're gonna have to have something go their way. Cause it you kind of have to have that as well. Little uh that you mentioned Tennessee, a uh, small fat. I don't think the number one overall seed has won uh since it expanded to sixty four teams. Is that right? Wow. I think that's, so. That's or or at least or not since maybe like two thousand one when uh, it was Miami who won the national championship and they might've been the one seed in 2001. So, I mean, it's, again, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to do it. I mean, that, that's why we go to the postseason and everybody gets a shot and everybody plays the games. That's why we play the game. You know, Riverside yeah, almost beats the Gauchos uh, on Friday and right. there's lots of drama. I mean, that's why we play the game. You got to beat those teams. And then when you have a chance to beat a good team, you got to execute and, and get those last three outs and, and move on to the next one. And I don't know, it's just, it's Great an game. exciting time of year. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And congratulations to you guys for being a big part of it. I appreciate that, Bob. Uh, you're a big part of it as well. I and mean, you're in everybody's living rooms or on their phones and you're, you're in the highlight reels on, on, on the Twitter, right? I, I, <laughs> All the highlights. I'm not tweeting. So I, uh, <laughs> I don't have a Twitter account. Yeah. So well, a couple, couple I'll things. A couple things to note that Gouchers are chasing or um, or already accomplished. Uh, Twenty saves that happened on um, on Friday's game. Twenty team saves set a program record, and then uh, currently Gouchers have seventy two home runs as a team, which is one short of the record, which is seventy three. And I want to say that it was – what year was that? I think it was 1986. That wouldn't surprise me. We had – yeah. I mean, it was a lineup of, of, of power. and That was the height of the uh, black magic. The, be the, best or the best or bat? <laughs> the best bat out there. But, that, like I said, that was, a, that was a great offensive team. I mean, so that doesn't surprise me. Uh, come on. 1986, yes. 73 home runs. 2001's on that list, 59. 2019 hit 66. So, Gouchers can play long ball. Man, I don't know, maybe they were spooked in 19, playing at night at Sunken. Marine layer coming in, kind of hard to hit there. You know, you know I... Well, you, you you can you can break down. Any oh, way you can you beat it. You can beat it to death. Yeah. Yeah. Then you do, and and sometimes you got to tip your cap <laughs> to to the first rounder that's blowing cheddar at yeah, you seven innings. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, our '96 team was really good offensively, but we we opened up that tournament against the the nation guy from Mississippi State and let the nation strikeouts, and we battled them, you know, through nine innings and ended up losing that game late. And, you know, that's just that how it goes. And then you got to play J.D. Drew and the Florida State. And, I mean, just sometimes just it just you can play well and, and get beat. And, and a lot of times people want to break down, especially if you, you just are looking at it like this. And, well, you know, we did this. And we could have done that. We should have done, you know. Sometimes the other team plays well and, and they and – they, they, they make you fail. Well, I think I, some of the, I think some of the best coaching, 
and it's, maybe it's a cliche, maybe not, but some of the best coaching or maybe the best coaching uh, tidbit that I've come across is, and I think you have to really understand what I mean when I say this is that when you go out and perform, we need you to play baseball, right? We're not, we're not playing the, we're not playing the stadium. We're not playing the crowd. We're not playing the, whatever antics the other team is bringing. External we're, opponents are, are, are the, the, the devil that everybody faces. And, yes. uh, the idea is uh, if you can get your players to play like they're playing a wiffle ball game in the backyard, you got you got a great chance of them being as best as they can be. And that's the idea. Uh, I think that every coach tries to get that their guys to be able to play relaxed. And uh, you know, that's, that's tough. Cause you know, you know, I used to coach their base and you know, guy would look down for a sign. I don't like this. Oh, sh- coach is upset. You know, because you don't know how what you do. That you know when you scratch. How they're gonna How they're gonna react? How yeah. they're gonna react to it? And so uh, you know that's a that's a very difficult thing. And um, you hope you have a a team of guys who are are, are tough enough to withstand anything. Uh, but there's a lot of guys in this sport that that have to contribute, and they all have to kind of be on that same page. And that's what makes it tough. And that's what makes the victory so sweet yes it's that work ethic and everything you did the whole journey and the process of getting there makes it so sweet when you can actually accomplish those great things like you guys have done okay that's a sound note to leave it at i we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna finish it there um that is bob bronsma coach bronsma um Hopefully your predictions, hopefully you nail all your predictions and you get lucky again. (laughs) Hopefully you nail your predictions. Um, I hope you enjoy your vacation. You earned it. Uh, Hope you're watching from wherever you're at. I'll be following. I'll be following and then uh, I'll get back and I'll be ready for the Super Regional. You're, oh man. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Um, Coach Bossman, appreciate it as always. Thank you. Having me, appreciate it. All right, my next guest, associate head coach Donegal Fergus, second time on the Gauchos, and he is a conference champion, was assistant coach in 19, assistant coach now in 2022. He's back and helped lead the Gauchos to their second conference title in three years, earning the automatic bid, and that being said, the bracket has been announced, and the Gauchos are going to Stanford again, and we'll have some... Well, some demons to exercise, and, and it's redemption time. But you saw the announcement this morning with the watch party. What was your uh, first reaction? I wasn't surprised. Uh, I've been saying for a while now that that's where we're going to go. Um, the committee, uh, although it changes every year uh, at its heart, uh, is is the path of least resistance most of the time. And, and so we can bust the Stanford and they know that. And we're in that two, three seed slot. And, um, you know, a lot of that happens from that standpoint. Okay. Well, we've got our hosts and and we've got our sites. Now who can we just slide into those two, three spots that are close and we can, we can just knock those out and and get the bracket more filled out to start. And I think that's a lot of it, how it goes. 
you see I, there was more uh cross regional assignments this year than there than was, I was expecting. and yeah. uh, like right away you know you get, gonzaga got sent out and uh, a bunch of the west coast schools you know oregon UCLA got sent out ucla got sent out yep and and you saw some of that and um the first one that struck me was georgia not going to the georgia southern they got sent to a, a different or georgia tech got sent to one of the texas sites and i thought oh well maybe 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 we're going to get interesting this year and ultimately it didn't it didn't go that way for us and they sent us up the up the street again um i'm not surprised like it, it's it's sort of the the way that this thing goes to a large degree and um we fit the mold of what they need up there as the as like i said as the two or the three and um we just you know we, we got what we we thought we were going to get all along and um so it, it, i would i would say i'm a little bored with the with that concept i'm not bored with the opportunity and not bored with the matchup at all uh, i'm just sort of bored with the ncaa's approach to the whole thing um and i you know i think there there could be some really fun changes if, if they wanted to go for it and, um but for this year it's great like we're ready um it's a different field than a 19 for us. It's, it's not as quick a turnaround um, in terms of knowing what's coming, you know, last go around in 19, it was, you know, you play on that, on that last day to get the auto bid and, and it was just such a grind to do it. And, and there was a huge sigh of relief. And, and then you just, you're sort of going like, well, we'll go anywhere. It doesn't even matter right now because we're just so excited. And, um, this year was different. We, we, we could see it coming. We, uh, we, we knew where we were headed and, and, and sort of a methodical march to the title and, um, and got there and, and you could see this coming and um, it feels, it felt different this morning for sure. Guys were, were ready and they were, they were excited, but also like, yep, got it, knew it. Cool matchup. Interesting. Texas state got it. All right. That's, that's a new one. And so um, they were good about it. And, and uh, it was fun to watch them do that certainly. And, you know, getting your, getting your name called for regional never gets old. Um, so it was, it was fun to be a part of that. It always is. It's, it's a cool experience for the guys and um, it's what you work for and um, that opportunity to go play somebody and, and, and prove yourself. And so we'll, uh, we'll saddle up the bus again and uh, head up the one-on-one. Yeah. I, I do want to have a little bit of fun with what you, what you mentioned there with getting interesting with the matchups, maybe at the ends, but uh, fourth, fourth uh, playoffs in a row where the big West goes to Stanford, big West champion goes to Stanford. Um, and the matchup is with Texas state who won the regular season Sunbelt title. They were 24 or 26 and four in, in a great conference this year. Sunbelt got four teams in and Gaucho's 27 and three in the big West. And you, we talked about the, and I've talked about it on the broadcast is the winning 19 on the last day of the season whirlwind. You're, you're riding the high and, and maybe a little bit, you know, spent getting to that point to go into the regional. And then this year, it's way different, way different. You can kind of see it coming. You can kind of sense that it was a little tight, getting tight kind of down the end with the, with maybe the way the guys were playing. But once they punched it and, and the weight was off and they did it, I mean, last week in, in the, against Bakersfield in the final game against Riverside, it really felt fluid and we're we're going for it and like all right we're ready to roll so like i guess what i want to ask you next is how did it feel this week going into next week you you mentioned some things but uh 
you have a chance to work on some things and let them play a few games that you know don't have as much implication as a conference championship on the line. So how does that how does that approach, you know, what did you see from the guys this week against Bakersfield? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of the same, like I, I, I used that phrase, methodical march towards the title just a minute ago, and that's what it felt like. It was, uh, it didn't feel inevitable, because I don't, I don't want to sound like I was just assuming we would just, right. and it was okay, but you could feel that they were going to, to just, wear it down enough to do it like it just it was the math got really difficult for us not to do it you know at a certain point there in the season and even even when we weren't playing great either in the beginning or at the end there it was you looked up and you're like oh well we got eight again and, and we've only given up two today like oh okay they did it again and it and I think all year as a coaching staff and, and, and the players, you know, with that have been trying to learn how to just put the pedal down the whole time, right. And just be relentless and, and be killers and, and not, not let anybody breathe and play our best all the time. And, um, and I think that's been a really good thing. And you, you see, you, you've seen us do that at times that that three series stretch in the middle there where we had to go through the gauntlet and that was really the season. Like that was the defining stretch of our season and they played their absolute best in that stretch. And that was still there even in the last couple of weeks where it was just like, okay, it's a math problem. We just got to get to the number and, and it'll be over with. And there were, yeah, there were some innings where it was like, come on guys, let's, let's go. Let's dial it up a little bit. Um, but it was there when we needed it. It was there. We needed to make a pitch. We made a pitch. We need to get a knock or a run. We got one. Um, guys got their numbers. We we got the the run totals that we, we kept seeing. It was like, let's get seven or eight again. And we did that. And um, that that was a vibe, even if it was frustrating as coaches to try and go, no, there's more. Let's let's really step on it. Let's really guys were good about it. They were, they would get to it. And if we started slow, we'd finish strong or vice versa. And, and we were able to get some younger guys a little bit of time. And we had the senior day stuff that just couldn't have gone better and so it, cool it was a really magical stretch for a lot of in a lot of ways because we were able to fill you know fulfill a lot of goals there and and, and feel like we, we 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 kept learning how to play better but we also got some guys some opportunities and we've i'm sure we'll get to this too just in terms of the lineup stuff and um how many good players we have that don't always get to play because of that and um I was just, it was, it was so much different than that 19 group in that sense of that was so mission driven and just like, are we going to, we're going to pull this thing off. We've got to do it. We've got to keep going. And, and it was close. And, and this one was just a different, a different equation. And uh, it was, it was really satisfying in a lot of ways to see these guys um, just keep doing the same thing at the end of the day, <laughs> did the same thing, which is they won. And they had great moments and, and good players were good. And uh, I, I, there's a lot of individual guys that, that I'm really proud of for doing that too. And, and uh, this group was, was fun because of that, because they just kept kind of marching forward with it. And um, those last couple of weeks were, you could see this coming. We were going to get to this point. We knew it. Um, we just got to keep, keep pushing them. And, and they, they did a good job of responding to that. Even if there were 
spells because they're 18 to 20 some year old kids and, and that's it's hard you, you can't reasonably expect them to do it every inning but um it doesn't mean you stop pushing them but this was group was was really good about that they just at the end of the day like i said you looked up and they did it again yeah and i, I think this team is a complete team you got a real friday guy you got a good bullpen you've got a great offense and and they've stepped up defensively when they've had to do it and they've been versatile on the defensive side, you know, multiple guys who can play multiple positions. And, and as far as the lineup goes, whether it's a righty on the mound or a lefty on the mound, you can fill it out in, in various ways where you feel like you have, can create some, some good, some good matchups and some good flow with, with the bats strung together. And then, you know, guys coming out of the pen, the guys know their roles and we've had some guys step up, some new names step up, um, some old names that are there that have, that have proven themselves this year. So you feel like you have a complete team, but being the offensive coach, how proud are you of the way this team has performed with the bats where you're a homer away from setting the, from tying the school record, uh, you know, Mortensen, his push that last weekend to get to 15 home runs. I, I mean, I think he was kind of pressing for a while. And when he hit that 15th one on, on Sunday, you know, he acknowledges the dugout, you know, the guys are behind him, but it feels like, well, and also uh, 14 runs on Sunday, and that was without Blake Clawson and John Newman in the lineup, uh, two guys that are going to see a lot of action during the regional, hopefully. So uh, how proud are you of these guys and their versatility and their way to adjust and, and be good on a daily basis and have multiple guys, you know, different guys on different days jump out? Yeah, I, I've – I really couldn't be more proud. I, I, I've talked about it with the guys a couple of times down the stretch, probably um, even more than that. I, I tend to, um, I really, I try and point that out because it really does mean something to me and, and our, the rest of our coaching staff about how important it is for guys to be able to step in and play well. And it sucks not playing. It really does. It's not fun. <laughs> Nobody's ever enjoyed just sitting there and being like, yeah, I'll just be here. Don't worry about me. Everybody wants to play. We have really good players. We have a ton of guys who would play for lots of different teams. And this group has been tested because of that. And it, the mental capacity to deal with the fact that, Hey, I, I got three hits yesterday and I'm not playing today. Oh, okay. Um, just ask Nick Oakley about the, he, you know, he's just, he, he comes in and he does stuff and then he sometimes has to sit for a while. And, and he's been, he's been angry smoke um, when that happens at practice the next day. And, and uh, uh, nobody gets more fired up about stuff than, than that kid, but it's also what makes him really good and, and such a tough little competitor. And, um, and I love that about this group. And, and he's, he's pretty emblematic of that as it's been, it's been opportunity. And then, there's a gap and then opportunity. And then there's a gap sometimes. And he's had to play second and, and, and third and um, Darby's played, you know, three different infield spots and uh, Willow plays everywhere. And, and the ability for us to just plug another bat into the lineup, sort of regardless of position, just to say, we can, we can put a really good offense on the, uh, on the field one through nine is really cool. Um, and even in ways that are, that are sort of, you got to dig a little bit to find them just the, the the Johnny Newman sort of emergence, you know, at, at whatever point that was, and like, oh, okay, 
there's some offense in there. Look at this. And, and is hot for a while and, and is playing really well and then gets hurt. And Johnny's hurt while that Johnny Bloom is hurt while that emergence is happening. Right. And part of the emergence is because Johnny's hurt. And, and then Johnny comes back and just homers and triples. And like, that's so fun to watch guys go. It's good. Cool. It's good. Like I'm really happy for Newman that he played so great while I was gone. And now he's a little banged up and I'm healthy enough again. I'm back in there. Oh, I'll just do this. And, it, it, it's just so cool to be a part of a group that can do that. And, and they don't always love, you know, not having their name in the lineup. They, they never like it, but they they're good about it. And, and Brock, you mentioned him, just the push for him to get to the number uh, that he was chasing again. And, and he did, he struggled at times this year, pressing and trying really hard. Nobody cares more than that kid. And, and it wasn't always going great for him and he got sped up a little bit, but then he got it back together and for him to finish with 15 and, and, and get to that, that on the on the last it's just i mean it's so cool and i'll i'll tell you this too and 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 everybody listening to this podcast will will uh will appreciate this because um the the architect of this program we all know but i've never seen coach jackets more excited about hitting home runs than (laughs) him trying to get rock mortensen to tie brooks lee for the, the title yeah. I mean, just like a little kid, so excited about, let's get Brock, let's we give him another, another shot. We got, we got to do it. We got to get him in there. And, uh, and telling me like, Hey, I told him to go try and hit a homer. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I mean, like, well, probably you came in, I mean, the pinch hit, the pinch hit homer on Saturday late in the game. And then, uh, because you know, didn't get the start, you're trying to shuffle some guys in, get some reps and comes in, gets a pinch hit homer, puts him at 14 and then, gets to start Friday or uh, sorry, Saturday and, yeah. and, and hits the number 15. It's just yeah. great. It's great. And he's, he's pretty emblematic of, of this group, which is, it hasn't always been smooth sailing for, for all of these guys. And we've had different guys get hot at different times. And we've had guys sort of wear the season down. Um, we've had some really bursts of, of, of real uh, emergence like Newman, uh, Xander Darby, um, Oak had, you know, has had his stretches where he's just been a demon. And, um, and then you've had guys like Nick vote who, who just sort of wore the season down and you're like, huh, hitting over 300, huh? I've got 40 Leading ribbies huh? leading us in RBI. It's like, Oh my God, so many, you know, just, you're like, wow, numbers are pretty good by the end of it, you know? And you never felt like there was a moment where he was just out of control on fire. He was good. And you always felt his impact and he's had, you know, good stretches and, 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 and bad stretches, but by the end, you know, he got to where um, you realize, Oh yeah, that guy's really good. <laughs> and, uh, and he put up a really productive season and Christian Kurtley the same way where, you know, Kurt has his moments where you, you know, you really notice it cause he said some big homers or some, some really important uh, snap hook doubles in the corner and uh, things like that. But um, he didn't start out great either. Right. And, and, a, and a kid who could have pressed really bad and, and just kind of um, let that linger and he didn't and he fought through it and um, ended up with really good numbers by the end and uh, Bryce Willett's the same thing like wasn't clearly wasn't a hundred percent of his capabilities to start the year um, still coming back from that 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 injury and wore it down and and is one of our most productive players and Blake Blake Clausen Blake like hello did not start out good and, and wasn't physically where he needed to be health wise. And, and you just weren't sure what was going to happen. And then 
got back in there and went bananas and has sort of worn this thing down. You're like, Jesus, look at those numbers. So um, there's so many guys who go on and on. Jordan Sprinkle, like, I, and everybody, you know, kind of gloms onto that one that like, oh, I thought Jordan was supposed to hit 10 homers and hit 400 or something like that. And, and you're like, well, that would have been cool, but that's pretty unrealistic to think anybody's going to do that. And in the end, he's pretty close to 300 with a bunch of runs scored and a bunch of stolen bases again. And, and, uh, and I think he's second or third on the team in hits. And, you know, you're just mm-hmm. like, huh, he's a good player. And he ended up having a good season, even though it, it, uh, you know, somebody else might go, Oh, I thought he was going to do more. Like, no, that, those, sometimes those expectations are unrealistic. And, and I'm just really proud of him for, for staying with it and, and, and fighting through that. And his joy has come back, I think in a lot of ways lately. And, um, and that's fun to watch. And, and he's just, he's been a different kid. And I think, I think going into the regional, he's, um, he's in a really good place. And, and, and all of those guys are because they've, they've in the end worked really hard to be the players that they wanted to be. And, um, and it's, it's really cool as a coach to be a part of that. That's just, it's the best. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the postseason. and you are a, a coach who has been to Omaha 18 with University of Washington it was 18, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Gauchos were there in 16 and I was a part of that. And you know, when you get to this point in the season, everybody's good. Everybody's got a shot. Everybody's got an ace. Everybody's got a, a guy who can hit it over the fence. Like everybody's got a chance at this and everybody is probably having these types of conversations, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to take away having this conversation because you know, you like to have these conversations. It's really fun. And, and it's fun to think about the possibilities and make comparisons of teams that you've been on in the past and, and kind of feel the vibes of those other teams. Mm-hmm. But like there's, there's some mojo with this squad. Uh, you can't deny it. And when you win 43 games, you can't deny that there's some mojo where you come from behind and you, you, you know, you don't get, uh, Oh, it felt like the shutout was never going to happen. And then you get three down the stretch the last, the last three weeks of the season. Like there's lots of goals that were met or surpassed. There were lots of surprises. There were newcomers, there were veterans stepping up, like all of these things. And so moving forward in the postseason, like you're going to play a good opponent in Texas state. And if you get past them, you're going to play a great opponent in Stanford and to get to Omaha, you have to you have to go toe to toe with these teams and beat them, and you have to uh, you got to play your best, or or not or you got to you got to play your best. Maybe get lucky here and there, and and catch some breaks, but you got to play baseball. And I guess this team reminded me a lot of sixteen because uh, this twenty sixteen Gaucho team because fifteen really set the precedent. And there were lots of high expect, lots of expectations, and they didn't get it done. And there were a lot of new guys in the lineup, mixed with some veterans who maybe didn't get a lot of playing time. And then they went and did what they did. And then last year, you had the McGreevies and Boons, you had the Castanons, the Cummings. Like they were great and did a great thing in the regional. And then when you move on to the next year, okay, who's going to fill all those spots? And and you you lose some guys here and there. And all these new guys step up. There's a lot of similarities. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the year. And it's kind of started to play itself out. But, you know, what was 2018 like for you? Do you see any comparisons with this team, with that Washington team? Because that Washington team had some had some charisma. 
Yeah, they did. Um, they were not scared. Um, but they had to learn how to not be scared too. Like that team went through some stuff. Um, part of it was environment. Um, part of it was we were so injured for a long stretches of that year. Like our best players weren't there for, for huge chunks of it. Um, and so the lineup, the same sort of thing happened where you had to have, you had a bunch of freshmen that year who had to just play who were like, Oh, I'm in now. Uh, okay. And then they realized, yeah, I'm fine. I got this. Um, but they had personality, right? They, they really did. They had, they had real charisma. They had a real vibe to them. Um, and that's ultimately, I think one of the huge reasons why we made it to Omaha that year is I remember feeling with that group when we got watched the selection show and got announced we were going to coastal Carolina. It was us, coastal Carolina, uh, Long Island, um, and Yukon. And I remember the vibe in the room was like, oh, that's too bad for all those guys. We're going to win that regional. Not in a like, oh, we can, that would be cool. Like, that's over. We're going to win that. We're the best team in that regional. And and then when we win that thing and won it pretty, pretty handily, um, then you, you got yeah, Fullerton and you go there and you're like, yeah, we're, we know exactly how this is going to go. We're going to do this on Friday. We're going to do this on Saturday. We're going to do this on Sunday. This is it. We got the matchup. We're going to, we're going to go to Omaha and you know, it's not that easy and it, uh, and it doesn't just because you feel that doesn't mean it works, but that was the way those guys play. They just, they weren't scared by it. They weren't like, Oh, I wonder if we can do it or what will it be like with facing those guys? It was just like, no, we're really, really good. And, um, I remember the 2016 Gaucho team because we played them. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's some real similarities with that group too. There was a real vibe to that crew. Um, it very different, I think, just in terms of sort of structure from this group offensively and defensively um, and maybe a little harder edge on that team. Um, but the same sort of, they are themselves. They've got their style going and they are who they are um and are pretty comfortable in their skin with that and i think that's what this group has learned how to how to really embrace um you have a lot of different personalities and i think it's one of the things well i know it is it's one of the things we worry about as a staff going into this year was okay who's going to emerge as as sort of the leader who's going to emerge as the enforcer who's going to be the talker who's going to be who's going to fill these roles because these guys were part of that crew last year but weren't necessarily always front and center and um, and you know, maybe the dominant storyline or personality on, on that team. And, and it's been just like, just like the offensive numbers, I think for us as an offense, it's been that same mentality, which is, well, today it's going to be curtain tomorrow it'll be Morty and sprinkles going to get four hits the next day and steal six bases and, and boats going to get his huge RBI three RBI triple the next day. Like everybody's got to, you know, wrote kind of rotates through and made able to do that. And they've done that as a, as a group of personalities as well. They, they bicker, they, they talk smack to each other. Mm -hmm. uh, they make a lot of fun of each other and me and Erdy and, and coach Marsh. And um, that, that vibe has, has, has been developed over the year. They've grown into that in a lot of ways. And that's the, I think the biggest comparison I would make to the 2018 
2018 UW team and the 2016 Gaucho team is I, I think all of those crews, you know, ended up feeling like we know who we are and we're going to be this. And if this is good enough, awesome. And we think it is, um, but it isn't, well, maybe, I don't know. Um, we'll have to really play well. Like they don't feel that way at all. Um, they, they know how to beat good teams and they know how to execute their plan. And, um, and we've got all the pieces that you need and, and, and you're absolutely right. You need luck. You need good fortune. You need timing. You need something weird to happen sometimes. Like it isn't always just straight the best team wins. Um, it's baseball and, and you've got to play well and we're going to have to have somebody step up and pitch that fourth game that you don't, didn't anticipate you needed, but you got to win it. And somebody's got to come out of the pen and throw four innings instead of the one they normally throw. And somebody's got to have a bananas weekend and hit, hit three or four homers. And, you know, you need all that stuff, but that's where the magic comes in. And that's what this group is capable of doing, certainly. And, and whether or not they do it is, is, uh, is, you know, to be determined. And, um, but it won't change anything that they've done and, and put them in the record books and, um, it won't change who they are. It, just like 19 doesn't, you know, just because we went to and out there doesn't mean that that team wasn't one of the best Gaucho teams of all time and, and incredibly talented and just an awesome group of individuals and, and, you know, one of the best teams in the country that year, they, they, they still were like, you just, you can replay that, that, that weekend, you know, 10 times and you're going to have a bunch of different results, you know? And, um, and, and so the postseason is like that. I think that's my frustration with it sometimes is, is, you know, people want to, want to shoot hole. Oh, see, I knew they weren't that good. Or, you know, if, if we don't, yeah. we don't win this regional people will go, well, yeah, I knew it wasn't that good. Big West sucks this year. Like, yeah, I knew it. And that just sucks because it's not true. And there's two other, there's two to three, four other teams in, in our conference that, you know, if you put them in the postseason, they're going to win a couple of games and might win a regional too. Like the narrative is what it is. Um, and that's, that's how people respond to that stuff. But this group is special. This group is one of the best teams in Gaucho history. Um, I'm super proud to be a part of it and the 19 team the same. So um, we go play and we play hard and, and, uh, and, and we see what happens, but uh, y- you don't, you don't get to diminish anything this team has done. certainly. So we're going up the road to Stanford and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but the, like the excitement of selection, the selection day is okay. Where are we going? Like, Oh, we know, we know the host sites. Like, Oh, we could go, we go to Stillwater, like, well, what if we go to Stillwater? Or, oh, what if we go back to Louisville? Or, or you know, what if we go up to Corvallis? Like, like that's that's part of it. it's exciting. And, and some, you know, I've, I've been to five regionals. This will be my sixth. Like that national regional at sixteen was this. It was it was amazing. And you were there too. Like, yeah. you stay you stay at the hotel on campus that overlooks the football field. You walk over to the stadium. Like, it was just so cool to be in Nashville. But with Stanford. You're there in 19. There's some guys on this team that were there in 19, and there's familiarity. And when you want to win, sometimes familiarity uh, is a good thing. And the other thing is that you're going to be busing. And I, we haven't talked about this at all, and I don't want to talk about it a lot, but the guys on the bus, they got their thing going on the bus, and they have a ton of fun. And I think it really encapsulates everything that you just said about them and it's it's pitchers and position players. They they play this game, and it's smack talk. And there's a leader, and it rotate. I mean, I don't know all the details, but they have so much fun. And it's like 
within 10 minutes we're on the bus, the food has been consumed and they're playing the game and they play for four hours straight. So that being said, with the bus trip, it's going to feel more routine. It's going to feel more familiar where you're riding the bus, you're going up, they get to do what they have been doing as opposed to, you know, maybe having to charter a plane and, and fly across the country. Like, yes, there's excitement and, and, and some fun parts of that, but the familiarity of the, of the bus trip and staying with your routine, I think would benefit this group. And there is some excitement in, in the regional matchups. Binghamton, which is out of uh, central southern New York. It's on the border of Pennsylvania. The uh, Bear yes. Cats. And then Texas State, uh, Sunbelt Conference, San Marcos, Texas. Uh, smack right dab in the middle of Austin and, and San Antonio on that, that beltway. And, uh, of course, Stanford, who the Gauchos didn't get to face in 19. So there's some stuff at work here where you got some teams from all over the country and you got the number two seed in the Stanford Cardinal who are extremely talented and Gauchos would love uh, a crack uh, at Stanford. Of course, job to be done is Texas State. Um, you want to dig in a little bit on Texas State? Because, uh, you know, I mentioned at the start, they won 26 conference games, only lost four. It's a good conference. They got four teams in. Uh, they they got a win against Texas when they were number one. Um, they got a couple wins against Arizona, who's also a, a regional team. So they're going to be legit. Looks like they got a couple good arms and they got some good bats as well. But any any skinny on on Texas State so far? Yeah, they're uh, kind of maybe what you expect from from a Texas school, a little brash, um, and and some big boys. Um, they they play it you know, like a lot of those Texas um, and, and Midwest Southern type uh, programs do where they're uh, real aggressive and lots of fastballs and, um, and they come after you both offensively and, and, and on the mound. Um, their Friday guys is real. Zeke Wood um, has been really, really tough uh, to get hits against. Um, he's got uh, a plus fastball, a lot of ride um, and a big breaking ball. Um, their closer is is legit up to 97 um lots of sliders 17 saves yeah really good stuff um they are not scared of anybody um and they're coming after you uh and they'll let you know about it um i think for us it's it's sort of a just a a heavyweight type fight where we're gonna we're gonna do what we're best at they're gonna do what we're best their best at and we'll see which one wins that day I don't think there's going to be a lot of trickery in this, in this matchup. I don't think there's going to be a, Straightforward. I, don't think, I don't think a double squeeze uh, with, you know, with, with one out in the, in the ninth is going to win this thing for anybody. That's, that's not how this is going to go down. There's going to be some punchies. There's going to be some homers and, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see who, who's standing at the end. Uh, they are um, battle tested. As you, as you mentioned, that conference is really good. Um and pretty spread out, which is an interesting setup for a lot of the schools, all the way from 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 Texas, um, all the way to you know coastal Carolina on the east side of that thing, and um, and so it's it's a, a a team that knows how to play probably a bunch of different types of teams too, and um, is gonna you know like I said is gonna come at you with their best stuff and, and not try and trick you too much, and and I, I think that's that's a fun matchup for us because because uh, that's that's kind of what we like to do. Yeah, uh, and I'm all for it. I'm all for straightforward, give us your best, and we're going to give you our best. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, when you're watching the selection show, were there any 
any uh, regionals that stood out to you? I know I, the TCU is with Texas A&M, and Coach Schlossnagel uh, is now at Texas A&M. He was at TCU for a long time, went to a bunch of World Series. Uh, that Oklahoma State region is loaded. Um, and then oh, they send Vanderbilt up to, to Oregon State. That's an interesting matchup up there as well. But anything uh, jump out to you from the other regions? Well, yeah, I think I, I thought it was interesting that they did they did a little bit more of the spreading out of teams than, than they normally do, even though we, like I said, got, um, got sent to Stanford again. Um, there were, there were some, there were some interesting geographical matchups, you know, where UCLA is going out to Auburn and, and, and I don't know that there's a favorite in that, in that regional, like there's four teams in that regional that can win that thing. Um, and then, you know, you have some Florida matchups, Liberty goes to Florida and Liberty took two or three out of Florida, just, you know, in the early part of the year and they get sent to that regional, uh, Florida got hot late, ended up hosting. Uh, and so they get those guys. I think there's some really fun ones. Obviously the, um, the TCU one is, um, is pretty, you know, just, it's juicy because it's Schloss and, and Los and the rematch and, and all of that. And it's, um, and it's Texas, so everything's bigger anyway, and 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 <laughs> feels more important. But uh, I think I think there's some really cool ones um, across the board. I, I was was happy to see Georgia Southern get get a regional for the first time. I think those those types of hosting opportunities are really important. Um, they're good, and and you know some people are going to knock them down and and say maybe, you know, maybe they didn't, you know, shouldn't have had that or the RPI is busted. And so they shouldn't, you know, they weren't that good. I, you can get lost in any of the minutia of those arguments, but I think it's a good thing when, when teams get an opportunity to showcase their ballpark or their city or their program and, um, and do something special and, and, and spread this game a little bit. I wish we did more of that. Honestly, I wish we thought about it in terms of let's try and let's stop trying to make it a math problem and devise the perfect formula to get it just right and make sure we don't screw anybody or or the 64 choices are the absolute um most defensible choices i think what we we'd be better served is to think about um growing the game and and making sure that geography is represented and 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 opportunities for fan bases to see other teams and 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 honestly for the tv portion of it like we just we have an opportunity to to grab a hold of a national tv audience in a way that we've never really done fully and um you and i were talking earlier about the ncaa basketball tournament and 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 i love that because even if i don't know any of the teams or any of the players anymore it's just exciting because it's on all day and there's so much drama and things are happening and you're like oh my god that team's gonna be this team that there's no way that that's happening that's incredible and um and we could do that with our game as well. There's so many um, ways that that could happen. And I think if we look at it in terms of that versus, well, does the, you know, just finishing 15 and 16 in the ACC, they should get in because that means you're a really good team. And, I'm, and, and they're right. Like NC State, who got snubbed, like, yeah, they should probably be in the tournament by metrics or by just, are they one of the best 64 teams? Sure. But it's also like, Hey, you finish whatever in your conference and, and, and you finished under 500 in regular season and you made out a run in the ACC tournament to get over 500. But like, I think stuff like that should matter. Like Ole Miss didn't finish 500 and, and they didn't even make the SEC tournament. They were the playing game as, as you, you and I debated today. <laughs> I don't count it, uh, whatever. Um, but 
I, I think stuff like that should matter. I think the fact that, you know, we win the big West conference and win it running away and won 43 games and, and all of those things, you just, that should matter, you know, and, and I, I'm not complaining about a three seed in, in our assignment. I just, I think those things should, should matter more than they really do. Um, and you win any conference, you should get rewarded for that. Like that, that should matter. And, um, and I think we we're still looking at this as a, as a, a puzzle that there's a formula that can solve it and it'll get it just right. And I don't think that's the, the best way for our game to grow. I think we need to think about it in terms of um, making sure that we are creating interest and we are creating opportunities and we are creating the experience that really makes this thing special. Cause it is. And uh, I've had some special experiences in, in the postseason. I've had got to go some cool places and, and, uh, and to see some really cool environments and they've embraced whatever team that I've been with. And, and, uh, and I know that you have as well. And, and, you know, I just think that's, that's a special part of our game that we, we shouldn't lose sight of when, when we do this. Just the listener, imagine the NCAA basketball tournament, you turn on nine o'clock Thursday morning and you got a game and then there's a game at starting at nine 15. Imagine that in baseball where there's a 9 a.m. game on Thursday and then yep. there's a nine 30 start. So you got a couple games going on and then, you got baseball all weekend long and you play the game sevens, the do or dies on Monday. Like it, it just, you, you, you brought that up and I was like, Holy crap. How can we don't do that? Like it would be, it'd be amazing. It'd be it bananas, be bananas. It would be so much fun and it would just be electric across the country. Just look at the way the last week has gone with the sec tournament and the PAC 12 tournaments and the rain delays, the crazy games and, People are electric. talking about that. It's it's exciting. Even if you don't know, like I found myself, I'm watching UCLA and Oregon State play, and I'm like, I'm in. Like I just, I'm I'm a fan because, and I know those guys, and I'm still just like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. Oh whoa, what just happened now? It's it sucks you in because of it, and I, I think we should embrace that. I think we should create opportunities for that, and I think we should understand that that's how people are going to consume this game. We play a lot of games versus, you know, football, right? So sometimes, you know, you're watching a watching a Tuesday night game with us and and you know, Pepperdine is is maybe not going to catch the national attention. But when we get to the end, they're gonna go, Oh, I wanna watch that. Like that looks interesting. Who are those guys? And we need to think about it in terms of of pulling people into this thing and sucking them into the excitement of our sport. And, um, and we have a format that could really work for that. And there's, there's some, I think some, some real doable changes that would make this thing amazing. And we should, I hope, I hope that the powers that be work towards that and, and think about ways to make that happen. And whether that's staying with, with the current regional super regional format and, uh, and just trying to spread it out a little bit more or, or going to, you know, I, I, I'm interested in, you know, several people have, have posed that possibility of, you know, of 32 sites, basically, it's all a super regional format, you just play another team and, and really getting more, more schools involved, because then you really could, man, you could throw a million games up that way. And it would be fun to, to see some different places. So I think there's a lot of ways you could do it, but I think we need to lean into that and make sure that we're, we're, we're thinking about how do we build this thing long-term so that the, the game continues to grow um, in excitement and revenue, honestly, because money makes everything. It does. Well, and there's a lot of great things going on in college baseball. Uh, 
the offensive numbers are up. I mean, there's tons of home runs. You know, people love home runs. You know, if, if you're thinking about Major League Baseball with how they've hit a bunch of home runs, and, and there's plenty of guys who can pitch in uh, in college baseball. There's, there's lots of velocity that's going on. And plus, these college teams, you know, MLB is doing these things with the city uniforms and, and having some fun with that. Yeah. But how electric are some of these college baseball uniforms? Like, they're just – they're outstanding and i know you're you're a fashion guru yourself <laughs> and the gouches are traditional and and there's you know the traditional look is great and there's a lot of teams that do it really well and then there's the teams that just flip it on its head like you know, when bakersfield they bless out the blue pennies like those are cool i don't care who you are like those are cool uniforms i just think uh, and it's funny you call me a fashion guru because I, I would say exactly the opposite. I, I think my, I think my, my uh, aesthetic is is anti-fashion. Is, this is there's no way this looks good, and that's why I'm going to be okay wearing it. Um, but I kind of, that's kind of what I dig about what you're talking about is, I like the fact that we are traditional. Like that's cool because we're just going to embrace that. And and yeah, and I were joking like we should we should go even farther. We should like we should try to be what Stanford used to do. Like we have, we have a home and a road set. That's it. That's like, it. That's just it. go no piping at all. And just, and just go super, super basic. We don't care. We're just going to beat you anyway. But I think it's, that's only fun. If there is a team out there who's doing wild stuff and is all is, is all blue with gold pinstripes and gold socks. Like I couldn't even figure out all the things that Bakerfield was doing, but it was a lot and it was cool. Like it was just a, it was fun to see like, yeah, go for it go nuts. That's, I see you working. I see you doing your thing. And I think that's the magic of it is, you know, Vandy has some, what I would say are pretty awful looks, you know, with the, the all black and, and the all olive, you know, the green, the military green military thing. But you know what? I, I, I dig it. Cause it's, it's, they're just, they're going for it. They're, they're saying, this is, we're going to do this. And we're going to, we're going to make you notice us. We're going to make you talk about mm-hmm. us. I think that's mm-hmm. the magic of it. And, and, uh, and, and so everybody can do their thing, and that's what makes it good. If everybody was going super traditional, we'd be, all be bored with it. And if everybody was going outlandish, all one color, uniform, crazy stuff, then it'd be like, yeah, I've seen it. Like Digicamo was that way for a while. It's like everybody oh, had to man. do a Digicamo, right? And, Glad that's gone. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, okay. Been, been there, done that. The moment has passed. Cool. <laughs> but I think that's, that's where college baseball can really be fun is you can have enough of a personality. You can – you can be who your school is or your program is, and you can embrace that and um, you can develop a style around that. I think that's, that's really fun and, and cool and, uh, and good for the game and good for, for players, because um, I don't know. I, I just believe that if you give, if you give people a little bit of their own thing somewhere in there, you'll get the best out of, them, you know, and, and, and sometimes that's little stuff of just letting them do their, their own little act of defiance and, and uh, uh, or their own little style or personality is now they can feel like I've got my thing over here and now I'm happy to, to toe the line and, 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 uh, and, and be the team guy on this other side. And I think, I think human beings are like that. They need to have a little bit of their own thing, even while they really ultimately do like being a part of a group, you know, it's a, it's an interesting uh, psychodrama there, I guess. But um, uh, I, I, I think that's a cool part of our game. I'm glad we're talking about this subject that's because it's, I mean, it's what you, it's what you see on the TV. I mean, it's what you see when you go to the game. Like you think if Vanderbilt plays Oregon state, you're probably going to see the all blacks against 
against the the bright orange OSU yeah. tops. Like that's gonna be cool. You don't see that very often. Like, but then you know, tradition is fun. Like like when the Giants and Dodgers play, it's the it's the Giants cream with the with the Dodger blue grays. Like that's awesome. It's a great matchup. And like when you get the Yankees and Red Sox playing, like you get tradition versus tradition. Like it's great. And then when you get to the World Series, and it's I don't know. It's it's Tampa Bay with their with their kind of new look, and maybe they're playing the the Cubs with the traditional right. look. You just don't see that. Yeah. And then in talking NBA, we're gonna we're gonna sneak a little bit of NBA in here. This uniform matchup in the NBA Finals is gonna be off the charts <laughs> with the Celtics and the green with the blue and gold of the Warriors. It's yeah. just gonna be great. Like the uniform matchup is gonna be fantastic. So what what sprung all this was that you know growing the 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 college baseball game and, and the stuff that we're doing with the uniforms. I remember the, the Vanderbilt, Tennessee, they played each other and it was okay. Who's got the better, like dark gray. Yeah. I think they wore them in the same game. It was the, the military green with Vandy and then Tennessee wore their, uh, the really like dark gray with the bright orange. So we can go on and on and on with this, but you know, Texas State's going to bring some interesting colors that you're not used to. Uh, Stanford's going to wear their traditional. The Gouchers are going to wear their traditional. And, and Binghamton, I don't think I've seen Binghamton play, but they're but they're green, so it's going to be it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be yeah, fun. It'll I'm be excited. it it is uh, it is a magical time of year. Um, I hope people tune in, and I hope people see some stuff that that makes them interested in, in watching some more. Um, that's, that's what we hope. And, you know, our job is to put on a good show and play hard and, um, and compete like crazy. And, 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 um, and we will do that. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm just so excited for our guys to get an opportunity to, to challenge themselves that way. And they've worked really hard for this opportunity. And it's cool that, that it gets, it gets rewarded this way, wherever we're going. Um, I know I started out this whole thing, by <laughs> the Stanford thing, but uh, it, it, it's not boring to be involved in this. It's, it's special every time. And, um, and this is a special group. So um, we go off we go. And we're playing the night game on Friday. Is that right? Second game. Yeah. Eski is a man after my own heart. He wants the game where he can hit homers. Um, so they're going to take the day game at, at sunken diamond there. Um, yep. And so we'll get the nightcap and, uh, and, and see if we can run some balls into the darkness. So I think that's uh, maybe around a six o'clock start on Friday against Texas State. Gouchers will be the visiting team as a three seed. Texas State will be at home or the home team. And once the the first pitch goes, we are off and running, and anything can happen. Um, and we're playing baseball in the postseason. What could be better? Absolutely. Okay, that was fun, Ferg. Uh, thank you. Um, lots of work to do up until Friday. We had a, we had a great day today. And uh, thanks, as always. And, uh, we'll see you on the bus. We'll see you at the field. Always a pleasure, Kevin. Uh, this has been another uh, banner year for the podcast, crushing it. I get I get no ends of compliments about uh, <laughs> that podcast guy you got. He's good. <laughs> so keep it up, buddy. Um, I will see you at the yard tomorrow. We got uh, we got more offensive stuff tomorrow. We, we got some setup stuff, so we'll have to get those managers dialed in. We need screens and machines tomorrow. So uh, be ready for that. We'll, uh, we'll see you back at the ballpark. They're going to be ready. Looking forward to it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thank you to everybody who participated in this podcast. Mason Ang, all the pitchers, 
Devin and Maxine, as well as Bob Bronsma and Donald Vergas. And shout out to our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and Smart Office Interiors. A couple things to clean up. Um, when Miami won the tournament in 2001, Cal State Fullerton was the number one seed. And Coach Bronsman went to six regionals. He was an assistant coach for three, head coach for two, player for one. And when he went as a player in 1983, the Gouchers were the conference champions that year, earned an automatic bid. So two automatic bids of those six. The other four were at-large bids. Just wanted to clean that up. Um, okay, uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you made it all the way through. Uh, shout out to you if you made it all the way through. I know it was long, but this is an exciting time of year, and I wanted to get some some perspective from the past, and I wanted to get some current perspective, and Bob's able to provide the past and the present, and then Ferg get a little past from 16 and 18, and then, of course, a little bit of present. And uh, it was really fun having everybody at the selection show uh, in, in the batting cages. Uh, it was a great turnout, and everybody was excited. Uh, players, I think, you know, this time around, it's, all right, we knew we were in. We got to sit on it for a week and a half, and it was okay. We expect to see our name called uh, because, well, we we done it before. So there's a little different thing to that than seeing your name called when you're in an at-large bid and you don't know if you're going to get in or not, and you have that elation. But Gouchers are psyched. The staff is psyched, and I hope all the fans are psyched. We hope to see you at Stanford. First game is on Friday night against Texas State. The Bobcats out of the Sun Belt. It's going to be a battle, and we are excited for it. So we hope to see you at Sunken Diamonds in Palo Alto. Um, hope to see the Patron Patrol there uh, in the parking lot. Hope to see all the current family members, just everybody. It's going to be a great time. It's, it's, it's the best time of year, and we are happy to be moving forward and plan for plan for a regional and uh yeah I'm, I'm just i'm excited and we hope to see you there um i think you can get tickets on the website uh, stay tuned on social media for for details on that type of stuff as well as uh on the website ucfcgouches.com all that information should be out there for you um so hope you enjoyed that and uh We'll see you at Stanford. So uh, go Gauchos, regional bounds. Let's do this. <laughs>